0: So what's in a name is the title of this series looking at four distinct names of God. There are more than four names, but I've really uh, whittled them down, taken some time, and just prayerfully considered what four names to uh, discover together, Uh, and for some of you, maybe remind you of this truth. So names are significant. We still use names in society. We don't use numbers. How many of you are familiar with the phrase, I don't just want to be another number? Right? Because what are you? You're a person. You have a personality. Um, You have a way of talking. You maybe have an accent, a tone. You have a temperament. All of these are associated to some way or another with who you are. The same is true for your name. You uh, have a first, a middle, and a last name. It's giving you uh, an identity. And... Um, for many of us, we, we travel at the economy, so to speak, of a name. We understand the significance of a name. In fact, there are sometimes memories, experiences, moments, emotions associated with names. Just a few names. I'm, I'm, I'm going to list kind of some highlights, some well-known names, not even first and last, just in some cases a last name, and it's going to, maybe, maybe you'll feel a slight emotion, okay? We're going to start off nice and easy in a very safe territory, the political sphere, okay? So how about this? George Washington. All right, we're probably all on the same page here. Well, let's see about this one. Nixon. All right, all right. Obama. Trump. Biden. Biden. Can you feel the tension in the air? Isn't it a beautiful thing, isn't it? Isn't it? The power of names, right? So something, something is in your information. You're, 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 some of you are being triggered, okay? Let's, let's move into some more safer territory, to some music celebrity, okay? Uh, some of you, this may make you a little more heightened, a little more emotional. How about this? Bieber. All right. Am I in a room with any, any Bieber fever whatsoever? I'm alone. I'm alone. Okay. Whitney Houston, somebody. How about Whitney Houston? Come on. She could sing. Miley Cyrus. Billy Ray Cyrus. Okay. All right. I was thinking of some athletes, some celebrity athletes. I think of Serena Williams. It's Wimbledon season. Tremendous. You think of Serena Williams. Man, incredible, incredible. Her sister Venus. All right, I think of Michael Jordan, Alright? think of Peyton Manning, all right? UK, okay, we can move on to teams. We won't, we won't, we won't move on to teams. IU, all right, U of L, whatever. Right, there's, there's a significance in the name. The name brings something to the surface. In our translation of the scriptures, hopefully you know, or maybe for the first time, let me, let me share some truth with you. The Bible was not written in English or the English language. So what's been translated for us is a three-letter word that actually isn't found in the original languages, G-O-D, God. You probably know this to be true, but there are other religions who also will lay claim to those three-letter word, God. Well, biblically speaking, you won't find that word. Now, can you say, dear God, and pray, God? Absolutely, I say it all the time, pray it all the time. God knows the intents of our heart. But from a linguistic standpoint, there is a lot of information, a lot of discovery to be made from those three letters, G-O-D. And in the First Testament, in the earliest passages of Scripture, the game we just played, the little mind exercise we just played, at a much more significant and sacred level, is playing out in the life of Israel. And with God's people and the journey he's leading them on. That he is laying groundwork, yes, for their relationship. But within that relationship, he's revealing his personality towards them. He's revealing who he is. He's revealing that he is a God that can be encountered. A God that could be known. A heavenly father that loves well. That protects well. That provides that in today's name does battle for his people. And a name reveals the nature of God. Even more, it plays out in the names of some people. I I, I won't go there, but you'll see people are given, some of the heroes and early members of the faith, all throughout Scripture, they're given a little name that describes either their birth or some of the characteristics that they've lived out. Well, for God, we understand some names that were given. So Jehovah Nisi, it translates kind of strange. Like we don't really walk around um, and have people in our life, hopefully, named Nisi or Jehovah, right? We have, you know, different names that we run with. So Jehovah Nisi lands differently. In the original language, it's translated Yahweh, the relational God. Jehovah, the relational God. And in this instance, Banner, the one who fights for us, the one who leads us to victory. The story is out of Exodus 17, and we're actually going to read the whole story. We're going to read the whole verses and discover together this name. The Amalekites, Joshua, Moses, and the Israelites are the four people involved in this story. Verse 8. The Amalekites came and attacked the Israelites at Rephidim. Moses said to Joshua, Choose some of our men and go out to fight the Amalekites. Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with the staff of God in my hands. So Joshua fought the Amalekites as Moses had ordered. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went to the top of the hill. As long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands the Amalekites were winning. When Moses' hands grew tired they took a stone, put it under him and he sat on it. Aaron and Hur held his hands up, one on one side, one on the other, so that his hands remained steady till sunset. So Joshua overcame the Amalekite army with the sword. Then the Lord said to Moses, Write this on a scroll as something to be remembered and make sure that Joshua hears it, because I will completely blot out the memory of Amalek from under heaven. Moses built an altar and called it, The Lord is my banner. He said, For hands were lifted up to the throne of the Lord. The Lord will be at war against the Amalekites from generation to generation. A short story, one of the shorter battle stories in the First Testament, but a remarkable story nonetheless. You have the Amalekites attacking the Israelites, and at this time in Israel's story, Moses was the mediator primarily between God and the people of Israel. And Joshua was a leader in waiting. He was being trained up, and in some ways you would say he was Moses' assistant. Aaron was a good assistant for a season, and then Joshua began to fulfill that role, and specifically in battles. Here's what's interesting. Israel, if you're asking, not that you are, Israel is early in their journey out of Egypt. Just a few chapters ago, and in a timeline two weeks ago, Israel came out of captivity in Egypt, walked through on dry ground, as the walls of the Red Sea were to their right and to their left. And God had been appearing to them as a fire by night and a cloud by day. The Egyptian army was pressing them and had kind of flanked them. And there was nothing that could be done except for a supernatural miracle. So two things unfolded. God was a cloud behind them, protecting them and shielding them from the enemy. And then as Moses raised his rod... For the first time, the Red Sea was parted. Israel went through. That miracle happened two weeks ago in this account. Then Israel had a praise party, a necessary praise party, as the Egyptians and the army that was trying to destroy and demolish the people of God were drowned in the sea. Israel was praising, and you know as well as I do, what do you do after a good praise and worship session? Lunch. Israel had no lunch, and they needed the lunch open. No, in all sincerity, Israel had ran out of food. They needed food to eat, to strengthen. God miraculously provided for them with manna. And then, somewhere on the keto, and paleo diet, they knew that bread wasn't an option, so God provided quail for them as well. Then they became thirsty. There was no water to be found. God provided, miraculously, water from the rock. Significant moments upon their timeline. You talk about a full two weeks. This was a full two weeks. Nonetheless, Israel, as you can imagine, they're in new territory. They're in what would become defined as the wilderness season. It was the moment between Egypt and the promised land. And it was new territory. It was like driving down new roads, like moving to a new area. You've got to make new friends, so to speak. You've got to find new places of interest, of of provision, of supply. All the road names were different, different zip code, new faces. You, You get the whole gamut in your mind. Well, Israel is vulnerable. They're weak. No doubt they're probably tired. And lo and behold, an attack from the enemy happens. When they're weary, when they're tired, you may be finding yourself in the same place. The enemy has come to attack you. He's come to discourage you, come to disappoint you. Hear this truth. You serve and are loved by a God who fights for you. He is doing the battle work. In this story, who are we? Which one are we? We're we're a blend of a few people. We are Israel, and we've been grafted in through Christ. Now this story is our story. This is our common history. This unifies us. And so we see ourselves in the life of Israel. I, I can't speak or project upon you, but I know there have been moments of unfamiliar territory. There have been moments of weariness, of exhaustion, of hunger, of difficulty, of discouragement and disappointment. And in those moments to add insult to injury, lo and behold, an attack comes. Whether it was intentional or unintentional, maybe it's by somebody an attack has come. Other times there's been spiritual warfare, attack, And here's one of the realities we must hold firm to because sometimes it's the quickest thing to lose our mind. We forget that God is good, that he is faithful, and that he is sovereign over all. And so there's two places, two parts to this story. As I said, we're predominantly Israel. Well, we got a little bit of Moses with us and a little bit of Joshua. But there's two roles, two things that happen in any battle. There's God's role, and there's our role. There's what God does in the battle, and there's what Moses was instructed to do in the battle. God's role. Here's a a little bit of what God is responsible for. I've got four things that God is responsible for. First and foremost, the battle plans. Like, if you're into college basketball, or not deal with it I love March Madness that's that's really the only time I watch basketball March Madness and, and and I love seeing on the screens it's always fun for me when it's getting down to the wire and it's a close game you're just intrigued and you're inspired even more well the coach what do they inevitably do they start doing their strategic timeouts like two minutes are left in the game and sometimes they can take 40 minutes to get through those two minutes because of the timeouts and the commercial breaks Well, the coach is there, and the men uh, or or women, they're surrounding their coach. What are they looking for? They're looking for the plans. Like, what's the play? They don't, they're five, they're they're five different players, but they all have to be walking and working in unison. Well, whose plan are they following? The coaches. In the battle, in the midst of the battles, whether we're in them (laughs) or we're going to face them, God is responsible for laying out the battle plans. This involves things like guidelines, commands, directions, when to engage, how to engage. Timing is also another responsibility of the Lord. I hope I'm not the only one who has thought to myself, boy, this battle is lasting a while. Um, And you recognize I'm not in control of the timing of this thing. God is. The length of the battle, the length of resistance, the length of time for breakthrough, that's all God's responsibility. Results, ultimately, what the victory looks like, here it is, it's His. Else we get some weird theology. Here's what I mean our King Jesus had some results that did not look favorable. In the moment. And you can't remove them from your gospels. Because they are vital. To the whole story. Garden of Gethsemane. Yeah I kind of want to wish it away. Hanging on the cross. Yeah you know. Maybe there's another. A more graceful form of execution. But Jesus endured the cross. For the joy that was set before him. One of the dangers. That we can do. In a battle is when we're discouraged and disappointed is to lay our weapons down and run. Ultimately, the results of the moment we're in and the length of the story is under the Lord. And so we trust and we hold and we pray by faith. But pain and suffering is part of the process. But here's the thing. God never forsakes His name, the truth of who He is over us. He is faithful to battle on our behalf. But ultimately, the results are His. And sometimes, when we're in a battle, we grow weary, we grow tired, we wonder if it's making any difference. All of that is forming within us a character that is not temporary, but permanent. As 2 Corinthians 3, 17 says, these light and momentary afflictions are crafting creating within us an eternal weight of glory. The results, ultimately what the victory looks like, I believe God never wastes a battle. And then the fourth uh, uh, responsibility of God, the resources, the battle, it's supplied by him. Everything you need, it's supplied by him. So here it is. I want you to get a blank piece of paper in your mind. I want you to get your pen ready. I want you to jot down hundred points. Here's our responsibility. A hundred different things. (laughs) Our responsibility is one thing. Obedience. What's the plan? How can I fix it? What can I do to change it? I have no idea. Other than to obey God. He holds the plans He holds the timing. He holds the results. He holds the resources. So what do you do? Obey. Obey. Put yourself in the shoes. I mean, put yourself in the shoes for a moment. You know, sometimes we read scripture and we just don't sit with it. we just like, yeah, of course. Amalekites, yeah, 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 yeah. Awesome. How awkward are those conversations? They're gathered around Moses. Moses, you've heard from God. He's told you the plans. What are they? Well, you're familiar with my rod. Okay, so here's what I'm going to do. Aaron, her, us three, we're going to go up the mountain. And uh, Joshua, I'm going to need you to grab your sword and get a bunch of guys. You're going to go down in the valley. So you're not coming with it? No, I'm going to go up the mountain and you're going to go face the battle. Well, why don't you come on with it? I, I don't ask the questions, I just obey the Lord. You know, I mean, there's just some strange things involved in the story. But here's the plan is laid out. And what happens? Well, while his hand is raised, God meets them in that space and they are winning. When the hands are getting weak, they're losing the battle. And here's the invitation for us the battle plans belong to the Lord. Can we trust them? Can we obey them? We're in a nice little teaching season in my home. I have the privilege of raising up two mighty women of God. And that sounds holy, and it is a holy task. But it also is so much fun. And one of the lessons I love to teach our daughters, primarily our oldest right now, is that when mama says something, mama means it, and you must obey. Because currently, there's confusion when mama says things or when daddy says things. It, it, it is, is confusing because what my daughter is realizing is, 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 is we're not running for election or re-election. We're not entering a debate like what we say goes. And she's living in a tension of, wow. Well, I know you said this, but how about this option? Right. <laughs> like, like I know you said no TV, but Dad, what if? Just hypothetical. what if it's this show? No, Mama said no TV, no screens. But what if? No what ifs? Obey. Obey. Right. Obey, or there will be consequences. Right. Can I tell you how often we're in battles... We don't even need to hear from God. We just need to start obeying his commandments. Nine out of ten battles, you don't need a rhema word. You have the word and you have the Holy Spirit. What you need is obedience. What I need is obedience. But ultimately, there are moments that some battles we face, they're obscure in nature. And one of the things we must always remember is when the battle plane. Plans are laid, they will require our faith. Can I tell you, in the culture and climate we live in, obeying God in the arenas of your life, can I tell you, that is countercultural? It is subversive rebellion against the principalities and powers of darkness. Our culture is calling to be a wide stream of whateverness. And you're called to follow a straight and narrow path. The battle plans of the Lord were laid out for Moses to lead him to victory, and what was required? Obedience. Obedience. Little fun um, pandemics for us—not pandemics, pantatenics with the words. Look at the middle three letters in the middle. What are they? Huh. You glad you came to church today, man. What is obedience? Die to our flesh nature. Rise. To our Christ nature, Christ likeness. Obedience matters. There would be some significant battles for the people of Israel. You can fast forward on your own time to the book of Joshua. The same Joshua in this story. Joshua who is given the, uh, the, the, the um, instructions, battle plans from the Lord. Every battle looks different. And we've got to be leaning in and listening to the voice of the Lord, voice of the Holy Spirit over our battles. The first battle is in a city called Jericho. And here's what the battle plans look like. I want you to have a praise and worship party. I don't want you to take it by force. You're not to storm the gates. You're to circle the city and praise and worship. And guess what? The people of God obeyed. And what happened? The walls of Jericho came what? Tumbling down. Can I tell you the next battle in the story of Joshua and the people of Israel, in the book of Joshua, is in a small territory, a tiny town. So much so that Joshua just encourages a small part of their army to go out and fight the battle. It's a town called Ai. And it's forever associated with a man by the name Achan. A-C-H-A-N. You know what Achan did? He disobeyed. The previous battle in Jericho, God said, any idols you find, destroy them. Achan's response was, I know you said this, but can I watch this? I know your word says this, but God, hey, how about a little bit of this mixed in? And so a smaller territory to be conquered, an easier opponent, one that you can be a little overtired, maybe stayed up with the rest of your teammates overnight, you know, maybe watched a little too much TV. One where you, you know, the coach just gave you simple instructions and you could play it out, and you're going to win. It backfires. They lose the battle. People die unnecessarily. What's the bottom line? It's disobedience to the battle plans of the Lord. There may be a moment for you in the leg of your journey with God. There may be an arena of life that the Lord keeps knocking on and saying, listen, hey, hey, how many times I got to circle the finance arena? When are you going to obey me? Man, when are you going to get with the program? It's like, meh, you can have all of me except that. Or maybe, it may be a relationship thing. Hey, when are you going to do the deep work to remove bitterness from inside. I know it was hard. I know it was difficult. We don't need to belittle what happened to you. But are you willing? Are you willing to give me your pain? Are you willing? Are you willing to release that unto me and trust me? Hey, when are you? Paul, when are you going to XYZ? XYZ. That's how this often works, that their battles were facing unnecessarily because many times I know my battles, I know my stories, I know some of my wounds and deepest hurts. Can I tell you what they're associated with? My disobedience to plans that the Lord had laid out for me. And here's the encouragement, the inspiration for us, the truth of God's word in this matter is that obedience matters. No matter how strange the battle plans are, I remember hearing, this is about, goodness, about 23, 24 years ago, this story of a, of a young couple who I knew. And um, this isn't a hillside story, but it's a hillside story because I know the people. Okay, so it's a young couple, and um, they were um, semi-newlyweds. Um, you know, newlyweds. That's the first decade of marriage, am I right? Okay, so they... Um, We're hoping to be pregnant, hoping to become pregnant. Don't you like how men propose being pregnant? Okay, the wife was wanting to become pregnant, let me just say it. And um, they'd run some tests. It, It was just taking time. It was taking a delay. They were on their knees praying, God, break through, move on our behalf. You know the promises you've spoken over us. You know the desires of our heart. And in a strange and supernatural way, God gave the wife a little direction. Some battle plans. The battle plans are always tested by obedience. So don't take this story and now try to apply it. Listen, you have a secret place with God. You hear his battle plans. Amen? So she goes to a small group. And while she's in the small group, the context of conversation, just relationship, the Lord's like, hey, I want you to give the host five dollars. Just like, oh, no, no, that's just weird. I'd, I'd feel better if it was 50 or $500. $5, come on. The Lord's like, you need, I've asked you, will you obey me? It's, sure enough, small group goes on, a little reluctant, a little like, eh. Opens the purse, guess how many dollars are there? Obeys. In this particular story, the next week, conceived. Had a child. Or pregnant, excuse me, began the journey towards having a child. Battle plans, ah, how to work through if the Lord's ever done that to you, right? Where He's invited you, like, "Hey, uh, buy the person's coffee behind you." Okay, yes, Lord. Hey, I'd like to buy the person's coffee behind me. Are you sure? They just ordered for their whole office. It's going to be thirty-seven forty-eight. You know what? What about the person behind the person? No, I'm just kidding, right? So, so sometimes these strange words. Sometimes it is the key to generosity. I will shoot straight. Like I will shoot straight. I will shoot straight. Sometimes it, it, it is the key to generosity. Other times it's just something small. It's just something subtle. Like, man, go pray for your neighbor. Mm. Go pray. How many times? How many times? The battle plans get laid out, and here's what we do in our minds. We want to connect. We want to connect. The word of the Lord to the result we're desiring and the timing we're desiring. And so we're wanting the battle plans to make perfect sense in the natural. Many times they don't. Many times we're invited to be still, to slow down, to walk calmly and quietly. Quietly in a frenetic, violent social media age. And God comes along and says, Paul, be still. Don't say anything. Are you aware of what they say? You know how much I like control. Why don't you get on my plans, God? No. God's like, I know better. Do what I've asked. There's a breakthrough in the battle that you're facing. But here's what we're called to do. We're called to, like Moses, lift our hands to the God of all heaven and all creation and to meet with him and to hear from him and then to trust him. And that trust has feet, everybody. Our faith must have action. Faith without works is not faith. Faith without works is good intentions. Good intentions are good feelings. They feel fine. But it's what we're doing with our faith. And so these battle plans get laid out. And our role is simple. We don't even have to come up with the battle plans. Like, here's the deal. All we're called to do is obey. All we're called to do is listen. Have you heard the story? This is a strange story. It's with one of the enemies of God. Syria is led by a man named King Naaman. And Naaman, they've even involved a slave that's a Jew and an Israelite slave girl serving in the house. Well, Naaman catches leprosy. His life's going to end. You talk about a battle. That's a battle, somebody. So out of the people of God, per se, we get this remarkable story of the king of Syria. The enemies, or so-called enemies. And what happens Well, the little slave girl comes up to her master and says, Hey, before I became your slave, before you captured me and brought me into this country, the fame and renown goes forth of a man of God in Israel. You should go visit him to find out and see if God will heal you. Naaman is like, that's a good idea. Let's do it. So Naaman, with his entourage, you can imagine in his full kingly garb, wants an audience with the man of God. The man of God appropriately says, I don't have time for you. And he sends his servant. Go tell Naaman, wash seven times in the river Jordan and he'll be healed. So the servant goes to Naaman. Naaman, here are your battle plans. No, I don't want to hear from a servant. I got to hear from the man of God. Oh, that's mistake number one, because the man of God... He kindly wanted me to share with you he has no time for you, king of Syria. But he does have the solution. Here it is. Go wash seven times in the River Jordan. And what does Naaman do? He does what I sometimes do. My pride gets the best of me. My ego gets the best of me. And I think to myself, what a ridiculous set of plans. And the man of God doesn't even have time to see me. Isn't it fun the way The Lord checks our heart by offense, or am I the only person? Nonetheless, so the plan has come. Naaman's frustrated. Naaman's walking down. And a second time, the servant girl approaches and says, You know, Master, the plans laid out are very simple and easy. Why don't you just do them? You're in a desperate way. And who knows? It may be real. (laughs) So Naaman goes. And I just love it because you could play the reel out in your mind. You know, it'd be a great Netflix episode. And Naaman goes and you can just imagine he's, so, he's, he's probably huffing and puffing if he's anything like me on a bad day. Oh, you know, you know, frustrated. Don't worry. Nothing else. Just the <laughs> <going out. laughs> some, some, of y'all, some of y'all just woke up. Let's be honest. All right. So here. Name is take, he's taking it all off. All right, he's frustrated, and he's annoyed, and goes in his robe, and he's like, to add insult, can you imagine the emotional weight as a king, rejected, despised by your own community because you have the dreaded leprosy? You can imagine the hushed whispers in the city. King leper said, tongue in cheek, imagine the shame the fear the difficulty, the weariness of carrying that disease and he's just shrugging his shoulders and he thinks to himself, not even Israel's God has time for me the man of God can't see me you can imagine he's discouraged there's pride there, there's ego for sure but you know he's just weary he's just wiped out and God uses child like faith to bring the breakthrough for Naaman a servant girl the second time says let's let's go let's wash like i know a, i know a good way into the jordan like i like i know the places come on come here let's go here and naaman goes down what does he do he washes himself seven times and he comes up healed and whole can i tell you there are battle plans the lord may be tossing across your path of life. And we think the test is in the doing. That could be the test. (laughs) But the test could also be in the trusting. Like God, you said, give this, and I did, and nothing happened. God, you said, go here, and I did it, and nothing happened. God, you said, pray one more time, and I did it, and nothing happened. Can I tell you, in the waiting, he's still working. In the stillness, he's being proven true. Don't be discouraged. If it's your third time under the water, if it's your fourth time under the water, the seventh time is coming across your path. God is going to fight your battles on your behalf ultimately we need not mix up who's responsible for who and what. God is responsible for the battle plans. We're responsible to partner with him and trust him in the process. Amen? Amen. Because Naaman's life would be transformed forever. Our lives are being transformed forever. Can you imagine the tension? It's on Jesus' face. It's in his very sweat that is dripping down droplets of blood. The gospel of Luke accounts in the garden of Gethsemane. Jesus would cry out, not my will, but what? Your will be done. There are times that the battle plans of God, I'll be honest, Sometimes it's a rhema word, straight up a rhema word. What's a rhema word? It's that Holy Spirit inner witness. Pull off here off the highway. Like, no, I'm on vacation. I got to risk a destination. Pull off here. You know, he's got an idea. He's got to giving you a witness. He's leading you. You trust that. But other times when you're not hearing a rhema word, you know you can trust his word. You can lean into that fruit of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to pull on his peace. I'm going to pull on his patience. Pull on his goodness. Pull on his kindness. Like it's possible to be in a battle and your enemy, the evil one, is using people against you, shame you, discourage you, disappoint you. It's possible to be at peace, to be positive, to be kind, to not defend yourself, but to serve and even wash the very feet of your enemies so to speak it's possible for us to do that at Christ followers FYI it worked tremendously the first 300 years of Christianity that's why we talk about Christians and not Romans these days because an empire that was built on self and violence and revelry was undone by a greater empire the king of kings and lord of lords how? Through obedience. Can I tell you, the invitation stands for all of us that we can experience Jehovah Nisi. So, our time is up. But, I want to invite you this week to do what I did last week when I invited us. You can take this message with you through the whole week. I want to give you permission for all the sermons, whether I'm preaching or another is on a Sunday. You could just take it right with you. Last week, we talked about Jehovah Shalom. The Lord is peace. This week, Jehovah Nisi. The Lord is your banner. He fights for you. He battles for you. In your worship guides, we've created that small, short participation page. I encourage you, get those scriptures in your system, in your spirit. That when the battles rise up, that you would know that the Lord is your shield and exceedingly great reward. That you would know because the Lord is at your right hand, you shall not be shaken. That you would know that some battles, here's what the word of the Lord is. Just be still and worship. Watch what I will do. There are these battles before us. And we need not be anxious. We need not panic. We only need to lean in and trust God is who he says he is. Amen? In the timing that is perfect.